This is a George Sherman Media Production. Welcome to the uh, Name TBD Podcast. Uh, um everything we look up is taken i am your host george along here with eric and steven the uh you know chicago area natives and uh how we feeling this past uh past week since uh the last pod uh it's been up and down <laughs> uh i would say more down than up uh i don't like where the white Sox are at right now but uh what are you gonna do? It's a long season. It's a long season. I'm trying not to try not to freak out too much. Um, but I've been better. <laughs> I've been better. Yeah. Um I mean bias aside from, you know, avoiding the White Sox and the Cubs, I think as a baseball fan, it's been a pretty exciting week of baseball. I mean, there's this is true. A couple of pretty insane storylines that, you know, never happened. I'm sure we'll touch base based on this podcast but man as a fan it's been amazing i think this year so far what we're two weeks in it's just been amazing Something like that yeah yeah zillion stolen bases i was listening on the way home from vacation uh nick madrigal stole third <laughs> on um some this would have been monday and he stole third and i was thinking that like got me thinking about the rule changes and like if teams aren't ready for this like <clears throat> in college we practice pfps you know at wit's end you know about and like situational baseball that like once in a million years baseball situation where it's like someone stealing third or you know a rundown and stuff like that but um it's happening a lot more stolen bases, balls in play, and I think some guys are getting exposed a little bit. And um, it's definitely a brand of baseball I enjoy, but it's uh, definitely interesting on like uh, magical and pitchers getting caught being asleep when uh, last year they uh, that didn't really happen. I think it's going to change the way the catcher position like is evaluated because now it's all about like receiving and framing and stuff like that, but. Especially if they bring in robo umps, framing is going to be a lot less important because it's not a real person behind you calling the pitch. Oh, it won't even exist. It, oh, if, right, exactly. If it goes to a you know K zone, then it'll be overnight. You know, I think what is it like Tyler Flowers or something like that? I don't, I can't remember his name, but yeah, framing will be useless. Yeah, I still think it's important to like frame for your pitcher. I always liked you know. I think a sloppy arm, like that was a problem with Contreras. I remember John Lackey back in the day would, uh, Contreras was always trying to end the inning on his own, trying to pick back pick guys and stuff like that. And Lackey's like, well, Lackey, if you stick the pitch, you know, but, um, and so he would, had an issue with that, but, um, like I saw catching Instagram video because apparently that's in my, you know, explore page. And it said, uh, Oh, yeah. JT Romuto had like a 0.6 release. And then I think that ended up in like a 1.7, 1.6 pop time. And that's going to be a lot more of an issue now Definitely. with, uh, you know, stolen bases being up like five, 600%. Right. 
And the efficiency and volume is up. Like, it's not even just like, oh, they're more accurate or, oh, they're just stealing more. It's like both are up. They're stealing more at a higher rate. It's it's fun to watch. It really is. Um, but, yeah, these catchers with, you know, rocket arms, like, or really quick pop times, like JT Real Muto or, like, you know, Wilson Contreras or whatever, are going to be a lot more valuable defensively. You know, and catchers have always been a position where you can kind of overlook the hitting because you really need the defense. Um and so I think even more so now it'll be like, you know, guys just with really strong arms that can hit like 10 home runs a year are going to be all over the place because you got to control the base pass. I mean, it's, you know, from a pitching, from a defense standpoint, having runners in scoring position or, or, or moving runners along is not going to help you prevent runs a lot more, you know, small ball runs are going to be scored, um, stuff like that. So it's good. It's, it changes the game. It really does. It, it makes it a different brand of baseball. And I like it because you know, the three true outcomes are, you know, the analytic best way, you know, they're the most, you know, walk, strike out or home run, but it can get a little tiring to watch that. You know, you want, you want balls in play, you want base runners on the base paths and all that kind of stuff. It just, it makes it more exciting. So um, I like the rules so far and seeing, you know, which guys take advantage of it and which guys get screwed over by it. So It'll be fun to uh, keep seeing how it goes as the season goes along, see who really, like, steals a lot of bases, um, who ends up, you know, throwing out the most amount of runners or throwing out the least amount of runners. I think that'll be a fun one to see who has the worst steal percentage, which catcher. Um, there should be, like, a special award for that, you know, like the opposite of a gold glove, uh, the, you know, the catcher of shame kind of award where you just throw out, like, 10% of your base runners on the year. Bill I need Monsero. that to happen. <laughs> yeah, or – uh, Rod Barajas back in the day. Shout out Foolish Baseball. Um, yeah, that was uh, that's going to happen a lot more. And I think there'll be guys, you know, older catchers maybe or whatever that are not going to be able to throw guys out. And that's going to be funny to see. I will enjoy uh, laughing at their mediocre stats. Indeed. I'm trying to look up the modern stats, but I can't find it that quickly. But on the topic of the three true outcomes – um, not all of it, but the Cubs, which are, they're currently after a loss today to the Mariners in the finale. Um, but mostly I want to talk about yesterday's game because it was more exciting. Um, the football score 14 to nine against the Mariners, um, highlights being Dansby Swanson going four for four before having tightness in his back. Um, <clears throat> he actually is an interesting case study. Um, like a mini one he's hitting i did some i just got finished watching moneyball for the 15th time and oh, uh it got me in the sabermetrician you know mode so i hit up fan graphs and you know four for four hitting 400 now but that's you know boomer talk um numbers of interest this year his uh exit velocity is on par with his average his hard hit percentage is on par with his average but his ground ball rate is up 20%, which is interesting. It makes sense because he's, I think he only has two doubles, but um, he's still doing very Nick Madrigal like hitting, but, um, but actually like doing it well. Yeah. And he's still Mm -hmm. barreling up, but he's up on barrels this year. So it's interesting how he's just hitting low seeds. I think his average of the last, his prime or not prime years. He's, I don't think he's, He's not out of his prime, but like from 20, his second season to last year, his launch angle averaged like 15 degrees and this year it's 3.9. So he's just hitting dead straight rockets. Yeah. I mean, Um, 
I was telling Eric, because uh, I've been following Dansby Swanson for a while now, and Dansby has always been known as like a power hitter, you know, someone who kind of just swings, either you miss or he hits it hard and brings it out of the park. But uh, with this year, it was kind of a shock. Like, as you mentioned, it's he just took like a different, I don't know if it's a different approach that he's taking, but I mean, as a second hole hitter, I like it, dude. Like you want a guy who, you know, gets on base uh, and he's getting hit in these, you know, singles, hard singles, as you said, down to the dirt. And as a second hole hitter, that's, I mean, all you can ask for, dude. Like someone who can Definitely. get you runs. So has he hit a homer yet? He has not. Yes. Interesting. Five I, I think the two. launch angle would go up though. I think he'll start elevating. Oh, for sure. More. But like, I also think when he does that, it's going to come at the expense of his batting average too. You kind of can't have it both ways, you know, unless you're, I mean, like, going, <laughs> I don't think know. he's going to do a Ted Williams this year for sure. I think there'll be some regression, but like, uh, yeah, I think it is very interesting, and I'm interested to watch what he ends up at. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he's like the marquee guy. You know, we're paying him whatever we're paying him. I don't have the figure in front of me, but, you know, it's almost like the bombs guy. But, yes, if he wants to hit, you know, mid-high 300s with majority singles, that's what I said the Cubs needed anyway. Because mm-hmm. you got Nelson Velasquez, who uh, had huge homer. I mean, obviously that's got to be exciting as the owner – or because they had, I believe, Jed Hoyer in the booth last night when he hit the bomb. Um, and also, Steve, congrats to Steven. Great bet <laughs> yesterday, yeah. taking the Cubs to win. What was that? You took him down 6-1, 7-1? No, I, uh, I, was, I texted you guys when it was 7-3. It was right after Mancini hit that two-run homer, bringing us to three. So it was 7-3. I was like, yeah, should I should I take this should I take this right now? I look in the uh, FanDuel app, and they were at four hundred, and then they went down a little three twenty. He's like, oh, okay, I, I can't let it go down anymore. So I took it at three twenty. That very inning, came back and scored nine that in, like nine that inning. It's insane. that's crazy. It's insane. Yeah, because you you had texted that, and I had I had changed over after, um, uh the inning where they blew up and when uh was Nikki was I believe yeah was Nesky just completely blew up I will say Garbo Dansby sharded a yep. easy double play ball yep first error of the year and yep. that just never helps and it's not like he was wild he just was around the zone too much nitpicking it a little bit too much and it was just one of those like Dansby misses a double play and then they start getting off the end of the bat hits landing in front of the outfielders. And I've had those innings before and it's the worst. You're like, you feel like you're making pitches and it's not working. And now he has 75 by like the third and he's yanked. So I don't see that to be like his MO, but um, regardless, it was good for them to uh, make a comeback there and, and to exciting. my point, what I was, yeah, what I was saying was, uh, when you texted me, I was like, "You're an idiot," because <laughs> I had le- I had started watching the Sox because you know it was that six. I was like, "This is just gonna be. They're gonna put in a reliever. It's over." Yeah, you know, this will be fourteen. Uh, I mean, I thought one team was gonna score fourteen. Nothing up. Got that right. <laughs> And uh, I thought it was just going to be a sleeper the rest. And then you're like, the boys are coming back. And then I see bases loaded. And I was like, oh, <laughs> stay and watch this. Yeah, um, I think 
kind of like the story behind, I guess, this MLB season is uh, teams playing against momentum. I mean, I feel like um, in the case of the Cubs, it's just like you have to have – it's like all a mental game. You have to have that, you know, stick to the game kind of thing. Like you said, we all kind of thought that it was – the game was kind of over after, you know, being down 7 nothing. But uh, what I've been hearing a lot from these, like, press conference, the Cubs team, man, they – they're kind of, they have a lot of heart and they don't give up. And so uh, I think it all plays into momentum. And so it's nice. To Ricky's boys don't quit. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's a, it looked like a fun game. I mean, I, I saw a video where someone was like, you know, a few blocks down the street and they were like, they recorded just oh, yeah, what it yeah, sounded yeah. like in Rigbyville, mm-hmm. like when after Velasquez hit the grand slam. And I was like, man, that just like that looked like it was a fun game to be at, a fun game to watch, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, you know, I guess I'm happy for the Cubs, whatever, for 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 pulling that one out. It's it's fine. Um, and you know, George flipped over to the Sox game, which was a terrible idea because they are not nearly as fun to watch. Um, and that's like my that's my problem is like you can be bad, but be fun bad. Don't be boring bad. You know. Or don't be like disappointing bad because that's what the that's what the White Sox are is, is is boring bad you know what I mean like they don't hit for any power they go innings at a time where they don't get anything get any hits get any you know walks anything like that like it literally yesterday Pablo Lopez started for the Twins and looked great by the way like I'm not denying that at all retired 23 White Sox in a row 23 that's like eight innings <laughs> it was ridiculous like we just like. That, and and the first week of the season, the offense looked so good. You know, they were putting up runs. Um, and, you know, all of a sudden the offense is gone. But a big reason for that, too, is guys are hurt again. Um, and our depth pieces are, you know, kind of sucky. And they get forced to play a lot. Um, and as a result, we don't score because guys like Hans or Alberto and, you know, like – I don't know, just guys like that. Romy Gonzalez are getting so many at-bats when they shouldn't. They should get, like, a start here and there. But that's what's been most frustrating about it is it's always, the like, the main important guys that get hurt. It's always Anderson. It's always Jimenez. You know, it's always – hopefully not this year, Robert. It's it's Moncada. It's all those guys that are getting hurt. It's never the depth guy. Like, Leary Garcia was the bane of my existence for the last three years because he just was got way too many at-bats. He was always healthy. He was the model of health. It's like, how does this guy always stay healthy? But the actual good players we have are the ones who keep getting hurt. And so every year our depth gets tested and every year we don't have good depth and it ends up, you know, taking years off my life because I care a lot about how they do. And it's, it's, it's boring bad. That's the thing. It's like, it's not a fun bad, you know, not playing in super high scoring, like shootouts or anything like that. They're playing in these super low scoring games that they can't score. And it's just like, it's, ah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just no. I I, I get what you're saying because as I mentioned last week, um, I had some trailing Yankees fandom from CC. You know, you mm-hmm. watch CC and then Aaron Judge comes up and then they sign Stanton or trade for Stanton and all of that. And you know, so I always would keep an eye kind of on how they're doing, and especially with MLB TV with T-Mobile, I could watch those <laughs> games and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it would be like for a while, and even still now. Um, it's like the Yankees are scoring 15 and hitting 8,000 bombs or, you know, they can't piece it together. Everyone's striking out five times. They're just putting Josh Donaldson in the lineup 
regardless. <laughs> That's just five. He's got a pretty like load swing, but it just always misses. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he's sure getting does. eight million dollars to be a paperweight this year. But it's to that point of sometimes it's just the worst brand of baseball, like three true outcomes only, and none of the outcomes are positive. So it <laughs> it is frustrating. It is frustrating. Strike out, pop out, or ground out. Those are the three true outcomes for for a bad offense. You know, it's yeah, a bad sometimes... approach in the plate. That's the thing. It's like it's not it, like they're taking bad swings. They're swinging at bad pitches. They hit everything on the ground. It's like you just got to change the approach, man. You got to change the way you go about it. You got to look to elevate the ball. You got to wait for your pitch. I, I know easier said than done. I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, as a a podcast like you know not anything resembling a major league baseball player so way easier said than done but like i just see other teams and they're hitting the ball all over the place and i'm like we're hitting everything into the ground and what what gives man they need a better approach and i thought a new hitting coach would do that and for a little bit it looked like it but uh they're still hitting everything into the ground and it's very frustrating but guys like donaldson you know are making all this money to to be hurt whereas guys you know like harold ramirez on the rays are making you know, 700 K and hitting five, five bombs already. It's, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's an organizational thing, I think. And that's the Sox problem. It's, it's a sucky organization. Yeah. So. The Rays are an outlier. Yeah. I got a hot, I wrote down, I had three hot takes. I wrote down a fourth one that um, we will discuss. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, Tim Anderson down, I heard reports of two to four weeks and obviously mm-hmm. we've discussed how annoying that is. Um, I don't know if Elvis Andrews is the replacement, but can he's I not. think he's more every day, right? Yeah, I mean, he was signed to be our everyday second baseman, and now he'll play short while he's gone. And and he's fine on defense. And when we got him last year, he was really hot, you know, for the last month and a half of the season that we had him. And he just does not look anything like that header at the start of the season. He's been like, literally st- statistically one of the lowest war players in baseball this year. Like, it's just yeah, – That was pretty unfortunate. It's tough. It's like that's the guy who we need to step up in this Tim Anderson absence, and I don't trust him at all. Is he, so. is he playing short? Again, you got to – you gotta. yeah, he is now yeah. since uh, since Tim went down. You know, you got to have good depth in your organization. You know, a guy goes down, you got to have a good player, but not even a good – like a competent player, you know, someone who can give you good at-bats. And it's just, you know, year after year, guys are having to step up and they're not doing anything. But – I don't know. I, you know, it's just it's it's frustrating. It really is. It it's this early in the season, and I already feel this way about the team. We're like two yeah. weeks in, and I'm like, God, this sucks. You know, it's yeah. like six month season, and I'm already ripping my hair out. So I might be dead come July. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'm glad you're having fun with the Cubs. Whatever. No, that's always the thing. It's like um, the Cubs are, or I mean, in the standings as it sits. I think the Cubs have, if I can do math right, the Sox have played one more game. And so the Cubs are, they have one more win than the Sox. They're six and five. The Cubs, or the Cubs are six and five. The White Sox are five and seven. It feels like a very different near 500 teams where it's almost, it's like the Cardinals who aren't really doing that record wise it isn't over but it's almost like our you know getting ready to like break out the white towels at least my dad he's a cardinals fan he's like oh they suck but they're five and seven or whatever so like it's might be a case with the socks like we expect more and they're not doing too hot at five and seven five but and i will say yes sorry. the cubs are 
you know, the the Cubs are the lovable losers nickname for a reason. So it's, it's Mm -hmm. a fun six and five. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of it. I also feel like the Cubs. Oh yeah. No, go ahead. I said, I think a lot of it just has to do with like, uh, I guess like the hope for the future of the team, like with the white Sox. um, I mean, like you said, they're just all injured right now. And so like, there's not really much hope there, you know, you can't win with a bunch of guys who aren't, players that meant to play every day and our glass yeah are made of glass and um but the cubs you know you have kind of like hope you got uh maybe a new leader in dansby swanson you know replacing anthony rizzo as leader of the cubs that's something kind of exciting uh you got you know power hitters and patrick wisdom who's hitting for power cody if you know if there's a resurgence there's just hope and they're playing decent baseball without I, i think arguably one of their best hitters maybe in Suzuki he's he's been hurt so on you know one side there's just hope and then the other side there's not really much hope and I think that's like the biggest difference in uh, those two teams yeah it's definitely about expectations I feel yeah. like because like not this year I, I knew to temper my expectations you know I was I was hopeful that they do better than they did last year because last year was you know a shit show so I was hoping they do better but I, I, I couldn't say I was really expecting them to go out and dominate this year you know, I was like, if everything goes right, they might win the division. And I still think that's true. I mean, I, you know, the Twins look good for now, but it, it's a long season. Um, and so I still think they can win the division. But I think it's all about expectations. For the Cubs, it's like, all right, yeah, like, let's go out this year and hopefully win, you know, g- g- be close to 500, maybe, you know, win some more games, maybe fight for a wild card spot. And so it's like these wins, you know, this this near 500 or a little bit above 500 record. It's like, that's good. That's, that's what you expected, I think, uh, out of this team this year. Whereas like, you know, us being five and eight, it's like, again, I didn't expect them to be this bad, but I also didn't expect them to, or I kind of didn't expect them to be this bad. I mean, I I didn't expect them to be great, but I just, I thought they'd be better than this so far. Like we've gone through now, I think four series and five series, I believe, and haven't won one yet. So, um, no, it is four. Sorry. But it's just kind of tough. But also, I feel like with the Sox, we've been on the road the whole season, and I feel like the Cubs is yeah. the opposite. Have you had like no? That, one... I I noticed that this week you only had <laughs> the series at home mm-hmm. against the Giants. The Giants, yeah. Giants, yeah. And how many series have you played on the road for the Cubs? Uh, one. I think it's one. Uh, let's see. We played Seattle home. Yeah, they started away, and I think that no, we start we stayed. They at started home. in Milwaukee, and I think that's it. No. And you went to Cincinnati. We went right? to Cincinnati. That's our only away. Because then we played Texas. Was did you cold. even play three? Did you even play three games in that series? Yeah, we played three against. Didn't one of those games get rained out? Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got yeah, out. got rained out. The last one got rained so, out. Yeah. So the Cubs have played literally two road games so far. Yeah. And with this like super warm weather in Chicago too, like you're getting those summer vibes at Wrigley. Normally April is you know the worst weather. It's 50s and it's you know raining and stuff. But we've had unbelievably beautiful weather here in Chicago and the Cubs have just had so many home games to take advantage of it. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you know, it helps the crowd get into the team really oh. early in the season, you know, cause more people are going to go to an April like Tuesday night game. If it's 65 degrees and sunny, as opposed to, you know, 41 and, and rainy kind of thing. Um, so it's like the Cubs have kind of gotten, I don't want to say lucky in that sense. Cause that's kind of how the schedule is gone, but in terms of weather, definitely lucky. And, it just it brings you a feel with the Cubs, like oh my god, like this is this is going to be a team that like the whole city is going to rally behind because you know they've had so many sellouts already. And I'm not saying they wouldn't if it wasn't as warm, but I kind of think they wouldn't if it wasn't as warm, you know. So people show up to Wrigley. I've I'm shocked, you know, 
just they'll right. show up regardless. Yeah, people like to get drunk. Nobody though. has a job in Lakeview, <laughs> I guess, in at in uh, Wrigleyville. Mm-hmm. People are just like today, you know, a Wednesday game. I see a bunch of people. That place is packed on a. I mean, granted, it's a nice day, but um, it's a Wednesday. What are you doing? It is <laughs> crazy. But to close the loop on the Cubs, uh, final in- note is Ian Happ it got the extension. Three years, $61 million. Um, some early reactions from coworkers is that it's, that is an overpay. And I kind of disagreed because I thought he was – that puts him on the same AAV pay, you know, level as Castiano, Schwarber, Marte are pretty close to him. Um, say a Suzuki's at about $17 million AAV. So for basically the super utility guy that he is and coming off an all-star and gold glove season, I think that's a pretty fair uh, 20, 20 and a third is a pretty fair. Gentlemen, thoughts? Um, I think I think it was a good deal. Uh, my thing with this deal is I think Jed is cooking up something because – I mean, we... They see a window, I think. Yeah, I think they see a window for somebody and then they're they're going to go in after it. Because, I mean, if you look at our prospects, all our good prospects are outfielders. Brendan Davis, AAA right now, he he, he was our number one prospect at one point. Uh, you got, obviously, Pete Pearl Armstrong, who is our number one prospect right now. Um, and then you also have Kevin Alcantara from the Anthony Rizzo trade, who has been killing it in the minors. So, I mean, our depth in uh outfield is good but i feel like signing ian happ now I, i'm feeling the cubs are looking like oh here's a window that we're gonna jump on and you know hopefully uh start contending very soon so i thought it was a good deal i mean three years it gives us it's i think it's a good deal for hap too i mean it puts him at i think 31 by the time his deal ends and you know if he takes off he can get another big contract so I think it's a good deal for both, you know, both sides. Yeah, I, I like the deal for the Cubs. I mean, Hap is – I like Hap. He's a switch hitter. You know, he gets right in the middle of your lineup. Uh, he plays a good outfield, I think. Um, and, you know, players like that you can't find anywhere. Um, and considering – you know, I, I'm not saying he's like a top guy in the league because I don't think he is. But, like, you know, considering the contracts that the top guys are getting – a having it only be three years is nice because you know if it it does you know if by year three he's he sucks you're not tied down to five more years of him you know and and again twenty million dollars a AAV is not bad like I feel like that's kind of the going rate for like decent players at this point you know so I like to deal for the Cubs and yeah like you said you know lock down that core because um, I know now you have uh, Dansby Saya uh, Hap. And anyone else? I saw there was like you know a bunch of those core players signed through twenty. Nico, Nico, Nico yeah. signed through at least twenty. Stroman has an opt out, but and Stroman um, has an opt out, yeah. But so it's like you know you have a good core through the next at least you know three seasons after this one. So again, you know if you add on more to that, which you know I'm I'm sure uh, the Cubs will at least try to do. Um, if you add on bigger pieces and you have that foundation already there. And I feel like none of those guys are all that expensive, you know, like, again, no one's, you know, making $30 million a year kind of thing. You add some, some really a value, like established talent on top of that. Like you could be cooking something up here. You could really be, you got the foundation sort of for what looks like a pretty good team for years to come. So 
I do again. I like this deal for the Cubs. Um, I think Hap is a good player, and I think the deal made a lot of sense. Like Steven said, for both sides, um, Hap got his money. The Cubs signed their guy. Uh, so he was a free agent after this year. That's one less thing you have to worry about this upcoming year, you know. So uh, it was a good deal, and I think the Cubs are lucky to have Hap, and I'm glad. I'm sure he'll that he and the Cubs will be happy for the next three years. So I like it. Indeed, Coolio. Well, that. Oh, actually, no. I have one more thing. I saw yesterday or a couple days ago that <clears throat> rumors have also the Cubs in on Otani. That that is yeah. swirling around. Ever. I mean, he's swirled in on everybody. Right. Um, but um, that would be uh, pretty nuts. I would be uh, pretty excited about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got the <laughs> Japanese connection with Seiya. There you go. Like, you know. They, they were holding up his jersey during the World Cup, uh, which I think we need to stop on, you know, holding up an injured player's jersey like he's dead. I think we talked about that last week. Yeah, um, that was my rant on my final thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know why they did that with Seiya. Again, Seiya's not dead. Like, you know, but either way, they, they, the Cubs already have somewhat of an in. And Steven said Otani was considering here when he first signed with the Angels. But the markets can be so high for him. I mean, you're, you're signing oh, all these sure. guys to – you know, $20 million contracts or whatever, you got to extend that. You got to go, you know, closer to probably $50 million a year when you want to sign Shohei. So I'll believe it when I see it, when it comes to the Ricketts, Uh, you know, they haven't really signed a player to like that kind of, I mean, no one signed any player to that kind of contract yet, but they haven't really signed. Well, I mean, the A's, the Yankees, you could say, or not the A's, Jesus Christ. The uh, Angel. (laughs) Yeah. Or like the Dodgers or, you know, the Padres, one of those teams I think are, are going to sign Otani, someone who has an established track record of really spending money and and and, and investing in, in premium talent like that. Like, I, I think the Cubs could, but I just don't see yeah. it. The Cubs I seem like, I mean, it definitely could happen. If they just, I don't think they won the bid on Chelsea, so if they just repackage some of that, <laughs> I think we're good here. You would think. Um, would but, think. yeah, to your point, the Padres spend, like how I spend on MLB The Show with forced <laughs> trades and ignore budgets. Mm-hmm. which, you know, you love to see it. I just sign one. I edit Lance Lynn and his stats and his attributes to be like all 99s. Oh, and yeah. I just sign him into his 50s. He eventually retires on me because I guess he doesn't want to make $38 million a year, but whatever. But um, it'd be interesting. I would love to hear what the offers for Otani's contract are. Like I could see teams doing so it with very money. heavy incentives. Like so ex- much money. 100 innings, X, uh, you know, option gets, I believe it's vested. Um, <clears throat> but, like, I could see him with, like, a 200-inning season and, you know, like a 550-at-bat season maybe earning $50 million. Like, I feel like that's within the – because, you know, you got a Cy Young-level pitcher and an MVP, you know, silver slugger hitter. I think whatever he signs for, he's going to be underpaid. Honestly, yeah. like even if it's like yeah, because you figure he's getting dollars. It's like you're paying for a top five pitcher and a top five hitter. Those should not like together. Yeah, those, those like each of those players get thirty million dollars for ten years. Yeah. <laughs> every every way you slice it, but... he's the most valuable player in baseball. He has to be. He faces the most batters and he faces the most like he just he does the most baseball. You know. He's just up there all the time. So yeah, whatever no, I, you're that's funny you say that it's going to hurt him, you know, Probably. come in, ter- in terms of 
I feel like if I'm his agent, it's like you just hold up a stat sheet. It's like, what would you pay this player a year? Mm-hmm. What would you pay this pitcher a year? <laughs> yep. What if he was both? <laughs> oh, man. That contract's going to be gross. Just, it's uh, going to be so much funny. Just combine uh, Garrett Cole and, and Aaron Judge's uh, contract, and that's Shohei's contract. Literally. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what is much. that, 600 mil, right? <laughs> Because they both well, got like, 300, uh, yeah. I think, around or somewhere like that. Right? Yeah, that'd be yeah. 5.80. No, 6.80, wouldn't it? It was like 3.20 for Cole and 3.60 for Judge. Yeah. So, like, yeah, 6.80. So, yeah. yeah, I feel, <laughs> Six, I feel like Otani is – Yeah, I feel like Otani – I don't – I just had – I don't know. Maybe because he's the first of his kind because Babe Ruth did it for a season. Like, I feel like he's going – he'll get the bigger AAV rather than like a $500 million contract just because I don't see teams necessarily wanting to come. I mean, imagine like it's like taking the first plane flight, you know, not like he's not proven, but you know, you don't know how that type of mileage is going to be in 10 years. So I think he'll be, you know, more pushing 50, 55, maybe 60. I I don't know, but maybe for, less years so he'll still get to that maybe high 200s 300 million but um he could do like you know five years 300 million like i'm sure there's this team out there who would offer him that and from his perspective it's like all right i signed this like short con i'm not you know super committed for the rest of my career i can make more money again in five years because who knows what contracts can look like then you know and then like yeah he'll just get make his 60 million dollars a year and hit the market again like i, I don't know man i don't it's going to be unprecedented. Like, it's going to be a contract like we've never seen before. And, like, I think about, like, a guy like Mike Trout, you know, who signed that massive contract with the Angels. And it's – even then, it's only, like, 420 mil and for, like, 14 years or whatever it is. It's some ridiculous contract like that. Like, we haven't even – that's the highest contract in baseball history. We haven't even seen anyone close to 500 mil. And Otani might, like, easily clear that. And, again, he should. Like, he deserves it. Yeah. So, it's just like – Yeah. Whatever they came is not going to be Worth it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, my prediction is. Yeah, my prediction is he goes to the Rockies. Mm-hmm. The next year, mm-hmm. they trade him and they pay someone two hundred million oh. to, <laughs> to keep him. him on their team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they trade the A's. They're going to go to the A's. They're going to pay a salary. I think <laughs> yeah, when that <laughs> hot take. I think when Otani gets signed, I think his annual his AAV will be higher than the A's payroll. Like he's gonna make you know fifty what million dollars a year, and the A's I think it's like I think it's thirty seven, yeah, like yeah something ridiculous. ridiculous low. I mean they're like hardcore it's rebuild. So bad. So a rebuild implies there's vision there. I don't buy it with the A's. They got that catcher. Their active total <laughs> payroll is fifty seven. So who ends up getting more? <laughs> Does Otani get more than that for a year? We it shall depends on if he goes for the again. It depends on if he goes for the year or the AAV. He could do something shorter and and break that probably. But if he wants you know a ten year contract, he's not going to get that. But yeah, I just do what it. Trevor Bauer said he was going to do like one year deals and just you know snag right. like because if Trevor Bauer got forty and change, that's what Scherzer got. Yeah, Scherzer's at like forty three, and so is Verlander, and mm-hmm. that's obviously working mm-hmm. out for him. Um, yeah, but that's because they're old. That's why they got those high AV short 
years contracts. Yeah. It's like, we know we're not going to pitch for seven more years. Get us three years and just pay us a shit ton for those three years. And then, you know, we'll retire. But Otani's going to break the market. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll end the drooling with final predictions. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking Padres do something stupid, but not. The question is, the question is, does Otani make it out of this season as an Angel? If the say the Angels suck in July or August or whatever, come trade deadline season, do they do they trade him? Do they get something back for him? Do you think it's like? I mean, that'd be criminal. Trade for him? I mean, that'd be criminal if they. I feel like the pr- the price is going to be too high, and like, what even is the price for him? Like, <laughs> like the A's come yeah. calling, they're like the team. Yeah, right. Take the team. Right, literally. I think if, and I think Shohei Otani by himself is better than the A's, but that's a whole different thing. Go ahead, Steve. I think if teams are smart, then if the Angels are bad and they are deciding to trade him, I think if teams are smart, they probably would just kind of wait to uh you know get him in free agency yeah. rather than you know ship the whole entire team for him uh yeah it's gonna be i, I think it depends on the team though because like imagine like the dodgers right they're three games back of the padres in you know late july and they really want to make a push this year it's like we know we're gonna we know if we trade you our best like three prospects we still have like you know three five-star prospects in the system it's like we'll just trade you like three of those guys and have Otani for the playoff push this year, and then and then we have the leg up to try and sign him this offseason. Yeah, that's what I was get, gonna say. Sure. Like he'll get he's already in the organization. Stadium. Mm-hmm. Yep. Show and be like, oh, yeah. instead of you what know if... him flying in for three hours and trying to show him the whole goodness of the whatever organization, that yeah, might be. I think if he gets traded, he signs with that team. That would be my prediction. Because for a guy like that, bring him in, show him how it all works here. He doesn't need to take 18 weeks, 18 flights around every ballpark. You're with us. This is how it works. And, hey, here's X amount of dollars. Don't even let other teams get a chance. Yep. But, Coolio, I I think that's enough Otani talk, (laughs) even though there's never enough Otani talk. There's never enough Otani talk. We'll start an (laughs) Otani pop, the Otani pop. On the side, yeah. Which I'm sure there's probably 15 of them. (laughs) Coolio. um, So now I'm moving on to little hot takes here. I'm moving away from local Chicago teams and Otani. Um, My hot take is that the Rays are good. I know. I know. It's bold. I think the Rays are a good team. That that was the first one. Will the Rays win the NL East? Or the Rays will win the NL East. How do do you feel about that take? Uh... I think they will because who knows if the Yankees are going to have healthy players and starting pitching and stuff. Uh, The Blue Jays are good, but the Rays are a wagon, man. Like it hasn't been up against the best competition to be fair, but you can only do teams are in front of you. What are you supposed to do? You know, not absolutely pound on the A's nationals and tigers. Like that's what you're supposed to do to those teams. So yeah, I, I think the Rays are going to win the division because I think they'll win the season series against the Yankees. And I think that's really their only competition. No offense to the Blue Jays. I like the Blue Jays. I think they're a wild card team. I don't think they're going to be better than the Rays. So I'm going to go with yes. I think the Rays win the AL East. Yeah, I I, I have to agree. I think they're going to win the AL East too. And like you said, uh, they haven't had the best competition so far. But they're not just like 
barely beating these teams, they're destroying them. Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah, is it? They have them. like a 63 run differential. Like, that mm-hmm. is insane. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like 11 games. The teams yeah. they played are so bad. Um, but, like, to do that amount of damage to, you know, any team, because th- these are still major leaguers. Uh, so, right. I mean, to do that, yeah, the uh, it, it's insane. Go ahead, still. Yeah. Go ahead. Their uh, their game Monday was one zero against Boston. That was their only game till that point that didn't end in a four run cushion. Yeah, it's wild. It's ridiculous, man. It's and then ridiculous. they kept that going yesterday, and they're in the bottom of the fifth, beating Boston eight to three. They just may never <laughs> lose. I saw something that they've hit more home runs this year than they've given up runs. They've hit like twenty nine home runs and given up like twenty That's runs. Insane. That's ridiculous. That's insane. It's ridiculous. How do you do that? Like, it just makes no sense because they're hitting everything out of the park with the most random, like, Yandy Diaz has a four-home run season and, you know, Harold Ramirez and, and all these guys have these random three, four-home run seasons. And then a starting pitcher who two years ago nobody would have known is, like, you know, got a zero ERA with 19 strikeouts. Like, did you know who Jeffrey Springs was before – this season even like i don't know if jeffrey springs is... knows who jeffrey springs is <laughs> right is he even a real person are we sure like and this dude comes up and is like an ace how do they do it what kind of devil magic do they have in Tampa? it's a devil ray jerseys i'll tell you that's the devil magic they put devil back on their jerseys and all of a sudden they got this magic that now they're the best baseball team ever maybe so it's yeah, just, it really is we're gonna be talking you know the all-star break pod it's like can the rays Go eighty two and up. Yeah. <laughs> Will they lose? Like it's ridiculous. The man. thing too is like it, it's not even like their play. It's like the development in on their team. So it's like if one of those players were to go to another team, for example, Miles Matraboni on the Cubs, he's not Austin Meadows. He's on the not that good. But it's just something mm-hmm. about being on that Rays team and something going around in their waters that just makes all their players ridiculously good. No team should ever trade with the Rays. <laughs> Every time a team trades with the Rays, the guy who the Rays trade away becomes a bum like instantly. And the guys that the Rays trade for is like a superstar. Yeah. I'll give you another example of that. Austin Meadows for Isak Paredes. They traded Meadows to the Tigers, got Paredes back. All of a sudden, Paredes can't stop hitting home runs. And, you know, Austin Meadows has had his own problems. You know, uh, he had mental health issues and whatever. So, like, you know, I hope he's okay there or whatever. But so it's the like Rays screwed time- him over. <laughs> yeah. No, like they develop a dependency in. on St. Petersburg, yes. Florida. That's every time they come in the, the ballpark, they're like, mm-hmm. that's what they do. They give them like Toradol shots that aren't <laughs> administered by the league or something. And then they're just like, then they leave and they're like, oh, well. So, yeah, yeah. I am in agreement that the Rays will. St- they haven't played necessarily good teams, but the Red Sox are probably the best. That's probably a 500 team because everyone in the AL East is pretty solid now. They're, Maybe they would the be a third team. They would be a third place team in almost every other division. Their opening day starter is Corey Kluber. Like let's let's pump, let's pump the brakes on the Red Sox here. I mean, <laughs> that's true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> that's tough. That, that's that tough. is a tough. That's a tough luck. I think they're going to be last in that division, and that's also with the Orioles having no pitcher because I like the Orioles hitting better. True. Ryan Mountcastle last night nine RBIs. I saw that. Wow. That's right. Uh, that's yeah. There's a lot of MLB The Show performances going on. Also, shout out the Orioles for having elite celebrations this year. 
Oh, um, the sprinkler. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> the sprinkler was awesome, and the dong bong. You know where they got the beer yeah. bong, and every time they hit the home run, and they funnel the water in. Elite celebration, man. The, the Orioles just get it. Like, I would love to be an Orioles fan because they seem like such a young, fun team. You know, they have all yeah. These they're like they're just like, hey, we're going eighty-two and... or eighty-one and eighty-one. We're, and we'll we're gonna have fun, fun while we're doing it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the most fun doing it. Indeed. Cool. Take number two. The St. Louis Cardinals will rec- will recover from this start and win the division. Um, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, just based on their star power, I think they do recover. I mean, I think what Eric said earlier, this is April, you know. Uh, the weather is not super hot yet and players are just starting out but just looking at their team they just have too much star power to stay at the bottom i mean you got goldschmidt who was an mvp last year arenado who had a shot to be an mvp added wilson Contreras, jordan walker uh who's having a great rookie start so far he's gonna be a big name game history. yeah he's gonna be a big name in the league so i just think they have way too much star power uh you know, to remain this way. And I think a lot of their problems just uh, clubhouse talk. I mean, uh, I'm sure you guys heard about the Tyler O'Neill thing. Um, yeah, that was one mm-hmm. thing that was suboptimal. But I think it's, you know, it's probably early enough where, like, Tyler, you know, uh, I'm blanking on the manager. Marmol. 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 Right. Um, you know, he, Tyler O'Neill didn't really like how they handled it, kind of going public first. And you can understand that, like, yeah. Let's talk to me about it and then just say it's handled internally, which seems like a very cardinal thing to do is handle it internally. But, um, you know, iPad kids and stuff. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, it's early enough to where that's shouldn't be that. I would hope not that big of an issue if it keeps snowballing. I mean, Tyler O'Neill looks like a roided out, you know, douche. But, you know, sure does. <laughs> whatever. I saw he hit a home run today, so I think he's okay. Yep. My okay. take on the Cardinals, I think they have a really great lineup. And it's a deep lineup, too. Like, one through nine, there's not many weaknesses. You know, uh, with, with Gorman hitting well, and with, you know, even guys like Brandon Donovan doing well, and Tommy Edmond, and guys like, like, even their depth guys are good. My problem with the Cardinals is their pitching. I mean, their starting pitching is, like, Adam Wainwright's 87-year-old ass, um, Jack Flaherty, who... You know, good from time to time. Miles Michaelis is, like, fine. You know, it's it's really, like, mid-rotation. And I think over the course of the season, that could be a problem. But, like, that being said, like, we talked about the Rays having some devil magic. The Cardinals also have that same devil magic where every year they'll rip off some, you know, 15-game winning streak at the oh, end yeah. of August. And, like, all of a sudden, boom, they're in position. Um, and so, like, I want to be the guy who's like, no, nah, I think they're going to – this is the year that the Brewers win the division, which has happened recently. Like, that's not some crazy hot take. But – um, you know, I, I don't really see what the Brewers this year. I don't think their offense is all that good. So I, I, I think the Cardinals are going to end up winning the division again because, yeah, we'll win their 17 and 20 in September and, you know, push to 94 wins and an NL Central win. So I think it's early. I think their lineup is good enough that it can overcome their crappy pitching. But, you know, I'm in a fantasy baseball league with all these Cardinals fans and they all hate Ollie Marmol. Like they think he's mm. makes bad decisions and stuff like that. To that, in response to that, I will say, I think every, like, team hates their manager. Like, every fan base, you know what I mean? I feel like every fan base has got problems with their manager, so I'm not even looking too much into that. Yeah, people are, like, in the season, they want to fire Aaron Boone, and then the, you know, Yankees end up winning 105 games. It's like, well, 
That being said, I also think the Yankees fire Boone, but that's a different discussion. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, for sure. But um, I guess we'll skip ahead here. This final hot take. Um, say half time or uh, through the All Star break, the White Sox are let's say ten games under five hundred. Are you rebuilding? Yeah, probably. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think they'll do it during the season. I think they, if I think if they're going to do it, they're going to do it after the season. And I would hope, I would hope, if they really are that bad, that Jerry Reinsdorf comes to his senses and fires Rick Hahn. I mean, this man has been here ten years, has produced like two winning seasons in that entire time. And this would be his third rebuild. GMs don't get a third rebuild. Normally when your first one fails, you're gone. Then definitely if your second one fails, you're gone. So I don't trust him to do another one. So, like, I I feel like that would be the one silver lining for me as a Sox fan if this season goes to shit, which it might, um, is that hopefully that's enough for Jerry Reinsdorf to finally come to his senses and see that, you know, 10 years of Rick Hahn is too much. Um, But... Who knows? Because he doesn't like learning new names. You know, he doesn't like meeting new people. And so he's like, yeah, Rick's my guy. He's fine. And he'll probably give him a third crack at the rebuild, which would make me sad and numb. I think I'm numb to it at this point. So I'd love to hear a non-Sox fan perspective on this because I have a very inside track, but I'd like to see what an outsider thinks. Yeah. I think as, yeah, like a semi-outside um like I just wrote that down as like a thought starter. I don't think it's necessarily that bad. Um, also, it's like you'd be rebuilding just to try to re-sign these players. I don't think anyone signed for an obs- crazy amount of money. Nor are they mm-hmm. like at playing because if they're playing at the level that you want to trade them, then in theory you should they winning, should yeah. they won't be that bad. Right. So right. that would be yeah, my it's thought. Like we'd have to trade them at their like all-time low value, and there's just no point in that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I was just to, to kind of add on. It's just a sticky situation. I mean, it, the players that you know uh, Rick Hahn traded for—they're supposed to be, you know, the guys who are, you know, going to be competing mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But uh, unfortunately, it just mm-hmm. hasn't panned out either due to injury or just kind of lack of play. But it's just a sticky situation. Mm-hmm. Like, like you, what you kind of said. Like, you, you can't trade them when they're doing well because. If they're doing well, you're making the playoffs. But then the Sox are winning. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very sticky situation. It's it's kind of hard to tell, you know. So I don't know. We're constantly <laughs> we need a new GM. We need a new GM, man. This is bad. Uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just like like Steven said, these guys are always injured or not playing up to their standard. Like Luis Robert is killing it this year. I mean, I think he could legit make a push at MVP if the Sox are any good. Um, but you know, that's contingent on him staying healthy, which since he's never played more than like, you know, 60 games in a season in his career, I don't know what's going to happen. I hope, I so hope, because I think a full season of Luis Robert it could put up like a 30-30 season, you know, at least. Um, so I would love to see that. But all these guys, you know, every year it's like, oh, there's a hamstring. Oh, there's a knee injury. There's a you know, shoulder sprain. There's a wrist injury. It's just ridiculous, man, every year this happens and so it's like are we going to rebuild and trade them when their value is the lowest and then go see them do great somewhere else where we're stuck with prospects three years down the line you know that are probably not going to pan out also it's just it's really like it's a really depressing cycle you know it's a circle that keeps happening and 
it makes me sad, but I don't think they would rebuild during the season. I think they would wait until after the season to do it if they were going to blow it up. That checks out. Um, well, hopefully that doesn't happen. It's always fun when the Sox yeah. are good. I enjoy attending those games because um, mm-hmm. you have a more of a sense that White Sox fans care about the actual product rather than Cubs fans. Even myself, Cubs games are more entertainment. I go to Sox games for baseball more mm-hmm. often than not, but regardless. Um, on to the draft, or I think what I've nicknamed Hot Potato. Um, this one, a bit different. We're going to pick um, three managers that you want on your side to fight to the death. And these m- group of four, you know, yourself and your three managers are going to have to fight each other, and we'll figure out kind of who would win that. I'll, uh, I think I started with Eric last time. Steven, Steven you got a leadoff pick for this? Ooh, all right. I hope you don't steal mine. Leading off... Yeah, don't steal mine. <laughs> I'm going with Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, Interesting. He's an analytics nerd. I'm, he would be analyzing. How I'm going with fights. him because he he wins, and he'll. If I have him in a that is fight, uh, more with less. I like it. Know, if I have him in a yeah, fight, that true. That's a good he's going to find a way to win. I mean, uh, something's That's in fair. the water. I, I kept saying this that something's in the water in Tampa, <laughs> and so. If the players are doing well, that means, you know, the GM's doing well, the manager's doing well. So, I want to win. You think but, the Rays magic carries over for the fight? But is he going to have someone on the ropes at the most important time of the fight and then sub in someone else to fight? <laughs> mm-hmm. Is he going to do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Sure, he can't close. Uh, the biggest moment of his life. <laughs> he can't finish. <laughs> he can't finish. He'd be like, you know, ready for the knockout. And then he would just be like, actually, no, wait, Steven, you come throw this punch. And then the guy gets up and then beats you up. So. That's the problem with Cash, but I do like the pick. He does just win. He's more of he's more of like the you know the starting guy. You know, I, w- I want them out there in the beginning. You know, do all the dirty work, <laughs> yeah. and then listen, the we got two more picks, team. and I'll, I'll have a closer out in there. But Kevin Cash just start <laughs> things <laughs> up. You know, win me the first couple couple of scuffles. You know, awesome. nice pick. Nice pick. I like it. All right, Eric. Uh, all right, um, I'm gonna take just like. I think not the most like physically imposing manager, but maybe the most toned and yoked one. I'm taking Gabe Kapler. Fuck. Mm. Gabe Kapler is huge. Like if you see him when he was a player, dude's got forearms the size of like, you know, fucking melons. This dude is just yoked. And he seems like the kind of guy who would just get in there and just start. Mm, 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 mm. So he's, yeah, that was easily my first mm. pick. I got (laughs) Kapler's huge and I want him on my side. So I'm glad he's on my team. Yeah, okay. Um, that in mind, in terms of going with fresh faces, I'm going Skip Schumacher. Ooh. You know, pretty young guy. He's, uh, let me see here. He is 43, you know, fairly fresh out, probably the same as Kapler, staying in good shape, and he looks to be in good shape from, you know, the rare times you see the Marlins on television. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Skip Schumacher. Also played on the Cardinals, so he's probably got a chip on his shoulder, probably – you know, short-tempered and, you know. Gabe Kapler used to be a Ray, so he's also got that that devil Ray magic too. <laughs> there we go. Stevie, who's um, your brother in arm? Uh, to pair with Kevin Cash, I'm going to pick – Don't take my guy. I'm going to pick a bias pick here. I'm going to go David Ross. Uh, I mean, That's a good pick. Former catcher. That's fair. Catcher is probably one of the 
more tougher positions in baseball. So uh, I like David Ross there. Uh, one thing that always sticks out to me was a couple of years back, there was like a John Boy video of him just straight yelling and embarrassing an umpire for making a bad call. And, <laughs> um, you know, I just want that toughness out of him. So going with David Ross. That's fair. I will say, though, like half the managers in the league are former catchers. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, you know. Like it does. If, oh, it totally makes sense. Because, you know, on guys. the – yeah, because, you know, from my playing days, I had always great catchers. And, you know, they see the field. They're, you know, mm-hmm. some in most cases they're calling pitches. You know, kind of that they have to deal with us diva, us diva pitchers, you know, back in our day. What am I saying? But, um, you know, they just have to deal with those personalities and all the time and they, you know, they can take the heat. So it does make sense mm. why a lot of catchers are, you know, the uh, managers when they, uh, you know, retire. Mm-hmm. All right. It's my second pick. Yep. So I'm going to take a guy who I'm not sure if he was a catcher, but he looks like a catcher. Um, and I think he's a pretty, he's not yoked like Kapler, but he's still big. And um, he's definitely got some of that fighting spirit for sure because he's got a young, scrappy team. You know, he needs to he needs to be that guy that protects him, that backs him up. I'm going to go with Brandon Hyde um, of the Orioles. I think he is also a yell at the umpire kind of guy if you need him to be. Um, I think he can definitely, you know, get in there and mix it up if he has to. Um, and Kapler's more of, you know, the pretty boy, defined kind of guy. I, I kind of needed just a bigger, rounder guy, and that's where I got Hyde. Um, and I think Hyde would come and just – take no prisoners i think he would give no fucks in that fight and i think he would i think he'd play dirty if he needed to and oh, i for am sure. thrilled to have brandon hyde on my side and i didn't mean that for that to rhyme but it did yeah no he was definitely up there for um one of my picks i think i was gonna take him third round but um mm-hmm. uh, i probably definitely wouldn't have been there i'm in between a couple but I think I'm going to go with some experience and brains here. Not necessarily a guy who's fighting. Um, not really going to be putting him on the front lines. Maybe, you know, the uh, calling the shots. So I'm going to go Dusty Baker on this one. Um, you know, you just get him, get him in his surgical gloves. You give him a toothpick. <laughs> He's going to steer our <laughs> ship correctly. You know, we might be down on true manpower to fight, but I also imagine, you know, he's got something up his sleeve, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, too much experience. He's so uh, I'm going with Dusty for pick number two. That was a solid pick. I also feel like Dusty could give a great pump up speech if your team needed it. I feel like he oh, can inspire sure. the troops really well. For sure. Uh, okay, is this the last pick? Yeah. Yeah, it's your third um, one. I think I'm going with the same route as George, you know, kind of a a guy who won't be, you know, out there in the front lines. Don't take me. I'm going to take uh, – Don't take mine. I'm going to take Terry Francona. Ooh, uh, okay. I like, I like it. I mean – I like Tito. This guy is just known I where I would go to win. Him. You know, part of, part, part of the problem for my first pick, Kevin Cash, was he couldn't finish. But Tito, as you know, you know, this guy mm-hmm. has the chips. 
Cato's a winner. And yep. in my Cato's in my mind, I think he's the smartest uh, manager in baseball right now. I mean, he's been there probably arguably the longest, and I mean, he makes great calls out on the field. I think he's definitely up there when, in terms of you know calling, uh, making make great moves on the b- baseball field. So he's kind of more of like the captain. Kevin Cash is more like kind of the strategic guy. And then David Ross is my little soldier who is going out to do the dirty work. <laughs> so, you know, I like my three. I like my three managers. Yeah. A little balance everywhere. So. I like it. Um, okay. For my third pick, I'm also going to go the experience route here. I'm going to go for an older guy. And okay, I'm in between a safe. couple. And I think I'm going to take actually the smaller one of the two. Um, I'm going to take Buck Showalter. I think Buck could give a mean stare to someone, like, you know, to someone if he needed to. And I, again, I think he could, like Dusty, rally up the troops, you know? So I got, you know, kind of a yoke guy in Kapler. I got kind of my big guy in Brandon Hyde. And then I got, you know, the little Buck Showalter just directing everything and, you know, making sure that we show no mercy, you know? Uh, And so I think Buck rounds out the team nicely. I think he's a good motivator for my team. And I think he could get in there and, and bite some kneecaps if, if he needed to. So um, I'm happy with my three. Indeed. No, it is solid. Um, for my third pick, um, going probably one that flew under the radar here. But I think, you know, if we had more rounds, I probably could have got him sixth round, I'd say. But I'm going David Bell of the Cincinnati Reds. Dude is always prepared to scrap. Um <laughs> He's always in the middle. If there's ever any fights um, with the Reds, he's always going trying to punch somebody. Um, I think in the Amir Garrett um, incident, he was right in the middle of everything. So, uh, you know, I needed some more muscle to round it out, and I think David Bell um, definitely suits that for me. Because, I mean, he – actually, no, David Bell – I think David Bell was ejected from the Amir Garrett fight. And that might have actually been Skip Schumacher who said, yeah, Amir, go get him. <laughs> so that would round nice. out my uh, draft. And looking at this, now that we've gone through it, I mean, obviously I'm biased. But I I don't hate Eric's team. Mm-hmm. I got my two top guys, so I'm happy. I wanted Hyde and I wanted Kapler, and I got them both. So I'm, I'm content. Yeah, Eric's team would be my worry if I had to, you know, do a cheap shot to get a get a, gain an advantage. Any uh, any honorable mentions we're thinking of? Anyone that just missed your board? I was between uh, Buck and Bruce Bochy for my last pick for my old guy. Bruce Bochy can't move. <laughs> Doesn't matter, bro. He'll like uh, Professor X that shit. You know. That's I, just how mad were you with you know, uh, Tony Larusa last year for the Sox? That that's Bruce Bochy. <laughs> I would have, I would have been, uh, I would have been signing up to fight the Tony Larusa team, whoever was on his team. I would have been like, we want them first. <laughs> no, it was, I was ready to fight for Tony Larusa when, uh, la- what was that last year, two years ago when, uh, two years ago, yeah, but they hit Abreu in the, Abreu in the head, mm-hmm. and then he got, what is it, uh, Perez was kind of, mm-hmm. he pushed him out of the way, and he's like, what the hell are you doing, and then. You know, they got in his face. I was let, ready to jump down from where whatever we were sitting, the 400s, 500s, skydive <laughs> yeah. down. And he was shuffling out like the old man he is. Yeah, he's just... <sighs> um, another honor, 
any honorable mentions? I think Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin's probably like the Bob psychological warfare guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think Dave Martinez. Like he has to be just yeah. has the pent up anger coaching or managing the Nationals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was thinking also maybe uh, some Dave Roberts in there. You know, get a little quick guy to run around. Mm. You know, like Roberts. Not a fan. Okay. I mean, that's okay, your fair. decision. <laughs> I. I, I didn't pick him. Listen, I didn't pick him. Yeah. I was going to pick Mike Matheny, but he got fired. So it's a tough one, too. What about Snicker? What do you guys feel about Matheny. Snicker? I feel like he's he's always got, like, I don't know. Baby food. Kind of like a hard-ass we're, personality. We're so we're, we're crushing Snicker on the field. Um, I don't want him at all. I don't want Snicker. Get him off my Bud team. Black? If I had <laughs> to draft A.J. Hinch, I would do like they did in uh... – the newest longest yard with Adam Sandler, and when they just let the D line go and sack him mm, for mm. a couple plays, I would do that. AJ Hinch, <laughs> yeah, I would. That'd be a friendly fire. Uh, the manager of the Phillies, I think, would be a good one. Is that Rob Thompson? Thompson. Yep. I think he would be. It would be a good guy to have in your corner. Yeah, Joe Girardi mm. still managing. That's first round all day. <laughs> Another short little guy, but all day. A birthday boy. Oh, it's his birthday today? No, I don't think so. Ooh, a good one we forgot. Yeah, Scott it's in Service. October. What? I want Scott Service. Scott Service? Oh, yeah. No, I'd he, take Scott Service. He's Another ride or former die. catcher. He is ride or die. Another former catcher. And I think he could beat the shit out of somebody. He's got the face of somebody who can beat you up. Very true. Well, cool. We'll put that to a poll. But um, I guess for now, uh, Steven, you got any final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. Baseball was fun, man. I mean, like mm-hmm. I said, this whole week has been exciting. So many stories going on. Rays, obviously, their magical run. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. Luis Arias, first cycle, finished finally rounding out all MLB teams, you know, getting their cycles in. So that's cool. That's mm-hmm. fun. I think there's just so much action going on this year. And what, we're in our second week, it was second or three weeks in the season. There's just so much action going on, and I feel like there's more mm-hmm. fans now. I feel like there's more talk on just baseball in general. So, final thought yeah. is yeah, rare, rare uh, W for Rob Manfred. <laughs> Robbie's doing well, yeah. Robbie's doing some work this year. All right, let him cook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let I don't Manfred like it. Cook, dude. Let Manfred <laughs> cook. Baseball's fun. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I was going to say for my final thoughts, I was going to mention Luis Arise as well. Um, he's hitting 537, which is just ridiculous. Um, and I'm glad he's not a twin anymore. Uh, so go do your thing on the Marlins, King. Um, you know, good for him. And the Rays are never going to lose. That's my other take is that they're just going to go, you know, 162-0. and 0. And one more team we got to shout out. The Pittsburgh Pirates. Shout out to Pirates. They're hitting the lights out of the ball, although the O'Neill Cruz injury is not great, but that was his own fault. I mean, he needs to learn how to I mean, slide yeah, better. That's a terrible slide. And... That was a horrible slide. Like, it was no one to blame but himself. But they're tearing the cover off the ball. Brian Reynolds specifically is is looking like a guy who wants to get paid. Um, and their pitching staff is going to make it so that they don't actually do anything this year because when you're <laughs> trotting out Vince Velasquez and Rich Hill for, you know, 40% of your games, it's not going to go well. But, I, you know. They didn't, I'm sure their fans expected nothing out of this season, and so seeing them come out and start pretty strong is it's, it's cool to see. I got no beef with the Pirates. Their stadium's cool, and I like Kutch. So, shout out to Pirates. 
I like it. Hot take: Do the Pirates finish third? No, no, yeah, no. But they'll finish. <laughs> I say they finish fourth. I say they finish above Cincinnati. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah, without yeah. a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Solid. My final thought is: Yeah, again, just to echo what you said, a lot of, a lot of fun baseball. Um, enjoying these new rule changes. I mean, yesterday on the the Monday game, I noticed like uh, what. Monday's game, I think we were listening to it on the radio, and I think it was an hour 20, hour 30. It was already the seventh inning. By that time, it was like the third in the, you know, uh, yesterday's football score. You know, about shrinking down the fat of these games. And that's, yeah, rare, rare win for Rob, Rob Manfred. I'm not a, not a huge supporter of his, but I think, uh, Let him cook, you bro. know. <laughs> Yeah, I uh this has been uh, Manfred Cook. Very enjoyable. Eric, what uh how are the Bulls doing? Uh they're down sixteen in the third quarter. Ah, live bet. Not live bet time. It's a good thing we're not a basketball podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I would uh not know what it's like, oh Levine needs to fix his jumper. <laughs> yeah. Didn't know what to talk about. But Coolio Gentlemen, I will see you guys next week. And everyone listening, thank you for listening. And uh, go Bulls and go Chicago baseball. Go Cubs. This is a George Sherman Media Production.